Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, guys. Bill Spadia here. Welcome back to my podcast. I've got a very special guest, someone you know from the morning show and previous episodes of the podcast, New Jersey attorney, Dana Weaver, and we've got a few subjects to cover today. One, uh, progress in a lawsuit against one New Jersey county after a woman was allegedly harassed at the zoo, plus more than a thousand teachers lining up to sue the state. Lots going on. Let's get right into it. Dana, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. So let's start with Cape May County. We're in South Jersey. You've got a client who was harassed at the zoo for not wearing a mask. What happened? Outside, I figure, too, right? Outside with her daughter. Yeah, so the zoo employees came up to her, and they yelled at her because she wasn't wearing a mask, and she told them that she was disabled, so she was exempted from the mandate. And they told her that she would have to go fetch her yellow lanyard from the front gate to wear around her neck. Literally a yellow lanyard. A yellow lanyard, although the county is now calling it a nondescript yellow lanyard, as though that somehow redeems it, their policy. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so she came to you, um, and what ha- what walk me through it? What happened while she was walking through? Uh, how was she treated? Yeah, so she was there with her church group, and she was walking through the zoo. And at first, she just heard someone yelling at yelling. You have to put on a mask. You have to put on a mask. And she thought it might be her because she was one of the only unmasked people there. But she couldn't tell where it was coming from, so she kept walking. And a little bit later, she heard the yelling again. You have to put on a mask, ma'am. You can't be here without a mask. And then finally, the woman caught up to her. And my client went up to her and she had a conversation with her. She didn't want to have a conversation yelling from afar about the fact that she's disabled. And the zoo, she said, I'm disabled. I can't wear a mask. And the zoo employee said, well, you have to go get a yellow, you have to go get a lanyard from the front gate. And my client said, "I I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I just walked in like everyone else. And she continued on her way. But the employee used her walkie-talkie because this is obviously a very dangerous situation, right? So the employee gets on her walkie-talkie to alert the other employees of the oh zoo that there's a maskless woman roaming. The maskless disabled woman is coming <laughs> yeah. in to take the place down. Good grief! Yeah, very, very with, dangerous her, with her daughter, no less. With her four-year-old daughter, yeah, who is wow. also maskless. So it's what? like ridiculous. Um, so, so what happened? So did they throw her out? No, they didn't throw her out, but they made her do a walk of shame in the wrong direction of the, you know, the social distancing rules. She had to do a walk of shame back to the front gate to retrieve a lanyard, put her yellow lanyard on, walk back through the zoo. And by that time, unfortunately, her church group had finished. So she missed, she missed the fun. So she reached out to me. We took time to draft a really detailed, very good complaint. And we filed it in Cape May County. It's a clear case of discrimination. There is zero question that she was discriminated against. Um, so, so, and the, the governor's order in particular has, of course, exemptions for people with certain disabilities, uh, number one. And number two, she was outside, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So what, what are you expecting from the judge? Now, as, as we're having this conversation a week before uh, people will see this, it'll be posted um, on our website. But, but let me ask you, what are you expecting from the judge? 
So what I have learned over the past three months is that I don't know what to expect from the judiciary any longer. Um, judges are ruling in ways that don't make sense. So in this particular case, this is a very clear case of discrimination. Typically, when somebody files a motion to dismiss, you usually get the result that day. You usually get the result immediately. If it's a more complicated topic, the judge might take some time to write an opinion. But tomorrow will mark four weeks since the motion to dismiss was argued on this case, and we do not have a ruling on it yet. Even though, to me, it's, it's very obvious. The standards to get something dismissed are very high. And dismissals are rare. So... Let me just understand, as a non-lawyer, uh, it is the county that filed a motion to dismiss, correct? They're saying this is, this yeah. has no basis, it's ridiculous. If the judge denies their motion to dismiss, then what happens next? Then we start discovery. So then we would do discovery requests to them, asking for all the information concerning their masks, and they would do discovery requests to us. And, and what are you looking to, to, to accomplish for your client? Um. I think that she really wants there to be some recognition that this was a discriminatory policy and she was harmed. And I have to say, my I'm sort of surprised because the county lawyers keep arguing things that are so tone deaf. Like they keep comparing her to a car. They keep saying, well, it's not discrimination to have handicapped people put placards on their car. And it's just astonishing to me that people think it's, it's a good argument to compare a human being who you're marking out as disabled to a handicapped placard on a car. It's amazing, it's, actually. Yeah. Um, all right. So you'll keep us posted on that for sure. And and uh, if you are successful, once you get to the discovery period, uh, how how will this impact other people? I mean, there are, I get stories all the time on the morning show and on you know through my new organization, uh, CommonSenseClub.org. I, I constantly people saying I'm being discriminated against. I should not be wearing a mask. My kids should not be wearing a mask. Uh, we had a sad case. A, a, a father called the other day looking for help for his daughter who is hearing impaired and is going through a real trauma, not being able to uh, express herself and see other people. And it's, it's bad. But there's almost there's literally uh, no recognition of these stated exemptions that are actually written exemptions. So what do you what impact will this have on other cases? And do you expect to see more clients uh, potential clients come to the surface? Yeah, so there's there's two things here. The first is that the, I think that the issue with disabled people being discriminated against because they couldn't wear masks, to me, is a separate issue from the fact that I think that forced mask wearing is a violation of the Constitution in and of itself for everyone. So I'm working on another lawsuit. I'll circle back to this, but I'm working on another lawsuit that's challenging the constitutionality of the mask mandates in general. Uh, it's the same one challenging the, the mandate that people get injected. Um, with regard to people being able to proceed on discrimination lawsuits because they're disabled and they were discriminated against because they could not wear a mask, um, if this case moves forward, it definitely sets a precedent that other disabled people who have suffered similar discrimination can move forward with lawsuits. Um, and I think as a practical matter, that's going to, if we end up in another lockdown and the issue has not yet been adjudicated whether compelled mask wearing is constitutional at all, it will at least create a situation where businesses and the governments will have to be more mindful about um, harassing people who are now, not wearing masks. If you lose, if it gets dismissed, which potentially is unlikely, but let's say that happens, what um, what, if, what does that mean for your other cases and for other people who are clearly suffering? I mean, I, just you said in the beginning, the, the justice system 
seems to have changed overnight, that what was expected and understood with constitutional law and people's civil liberties, individual liberties, medical freedom, all of this completely out the window because people are panicked over COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you about my lockdown case? No, no. Do you want to hear quickly about it? Yeah, of course I do. This is one of the cases that really is informing my thinking about what's going on with the judiciary. So my client is a guy who was out on Route 22 um, by himself, wearing a mask, carrying a political sign in March of last year. And the police pulled up and they stopped him and they cited him for a number of things. And one of the things they cited him for was violating executive order 107 because he was out of his house. Same thing happens the next month. He's out literally walking down Route 22 by himself, wearing a mask, carrying a political sign. And the police stop him again, charge him again, goes to court. Uh, he was not my client at this point. This was done by another attorney, goes to court, is tried and convicted of violating executive order 107. And the judge in issuing his opinion completely and totally blew over the fact that he was, I mean, forget like the fact that you're allowed to be out of your house, but he was carrying a political sign. He was clearly engaged in political speech. And the judge said, in his opinion, it doesn't matter because we're in a pandemic. Yet, yet all of the Antifa and Black Lives Matter protests went on with the governor marching with them hand in hand. It's yeah. incredible. So you got you picked him up as a client. Where where just out of curiosity, if you can share, uh, was it was it a Trump sign? Was it an anti-Trump sign? No, it was a sign that said um, "Profanity, the police," but it was spelled with a P H U C K. Ah, so he was anti-cop protester. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it might have affected. It might have affected the the. Well, it may have, sure, but this is the whole point of free speech, right? This is right. the whole concept of it. All right, so keep us posted on that. Let's move to the other stuff. That is, that's huge. And I'll tell you the truth, it's, uh, it almost, it's better, I think, in at least the discussion, if we're going to talk about optics, that this is not a Trump guy out there because the media so quickly dismisses that. The fact that he was on the left, I think, almost makes it a little bit easier. Uh, you know, who knows, right? Who who can get into their heads? So so the next issue is big education in New Jersey. Schools are setting up discriminatory housing where vaxxed and unvaxxed are separated and unvaxxed are, and especially folks that are not vaccinated because they have a medical exemption are being forced into the same housing. Is that right? If they're allowed on campus. How is that proceeding? What's going so on? That So unfortunately, the rider plaintiff class did not come together. Um, I sent out an email to everyone who contacted me from Ryder, and unfortunately, a lot of people either got the got the shot or had moved on to different schools. Um, so I helped a couple of people individually navigate situations there, but I will tell you that ultimately the school didn't budge at all. Um, I do, however, have a lawsuit that I am hoping to file next week against TCNJ, okay. which is a public school. And the TCNJ's mandate is roughly the same. Uh, it's also similar to Rutgers, where they don't allow students to live on campus if they decide not to get the shot, or if they are, it, all right, so if they don't have an exemption, they just can't live in, on campus and they're disenrolled from school um, if they're required to, like a freshman. Um, if they get an exemption, they're required to undergo twice weekly testing, they're required to wear a mask on campus. There is a list that is compiled of them and given to their teachers. They're subject to being removed from classes if there's too many of them in a class. 
Um, they're not allowed to travel overnight with varsity teams, and they're not allowed to participate in any extracurricular activities that TCNJ determines are high contact. Um, so the lawsuit that we're putting forward challenges the mandate, both the part where they're requiring to get the injection, but it also says that all of the other things that they're doing are independently violations of their rights. So this lawsuit is a very global lawsuit that's going to encompass most of the issues that we're dealing with right now from the from the mandate to get the injection, but also the masking and the medical surveillance in the form of requiring testing because it's unprecedented and unconstitutional. So the lawsuit challenges all those three issues. Okay, so that's that's moving ahead and, and uh, that's good news. Now, if you win that, that could have national implications. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the whole. Where goes New Jersey could go the country. And that's something that we've talked about that New Jersey has had some of the most... Uh, onerous lockdowns and and uh, restrictive movement, et cetera, of, of really of any state. I, mean, I, I spent time in California over the summer, and even California does not feel the same level of lockdown mask insanity that New Jersey does. It really, is, it's wow. interesting to see. Just from a cultural perspective, it was Southern California, San Diego area, um, just, a, just a much different feel than, than New Jersey. So I suspect, given that most of the country has unmasked and has calmed down with only, what, 51% of the country vaccinated, the 49% of us who are not vaccinated um, actually do, turns out, have some constitutional rights. Go figure. Amazing. All right. And what is your goal there? Is it to undo the school mandate? Is it to get uh, compensation for the students? What, what is the goal? No, the goal is to, is to get the mandate struck down as unconstitutional. Um, and the goal specifically is to have the court make findings of, well, well, I, I don't want to get into the, the legal arguments too much, but the goal specifically is to have the court rule unconstitutional, the mandate that they have to get the injection, and also the forced masking and the forced testing are all independent of each other and dependent on each other. They're all unconstitutional to so get them all thrown out. And then the template from that lawsuit, which is, will, will be nearly identical to any other lawsuit against any other public entity. So my hope is to, to file a couple other lawsuits and then share my template with other attorneys so that the lawsuits can proceed very easily against every public entity that violates people's constitutional rights. This is great. I, the, boy, I'll tell you, it, it's, it's just in a few weeks, Dana. It, it feels like it has evolved and you've got <laughs> momentum, right? And, and speaking of that, we saved the best for last. The, uh, your, your lawsuit against the state of New Jersey on behalf of teachers, I understand that you, you had more than a few teachers sign up for this suit. Tell me. <laughs> Just a few more. Um, so yeah, I, I, I have had more than a thousand people reach out to me who are teachers, guidance counselors, speech therapists, anything you could possibly think of connected to the state. Um, people are raring to go, raring to go. So if they've emailed me, we're, we're having a meeting on Wednesday to teach them how to fill out their affidavits so we can get going. And I think that that lawsuit will move very quickly because it has the template with the TCNJ. And that is Wednesday, September eighth. Yep. Right? So everyone okay, so who Wednesday, emails me, because I will, I will start to promote this. And what we, how do you get teachers to sign up? What do you want them to do? Same thing. Go to the website, fill out their email. No. No. So what we're doing with this, and I have to say, we have had so much intake. It's astonishing that basically everyone has followed this to the T. It, it just surprises me. Um, but so what we're doing is having people email me, dweefer at weeferlawoffices.com, and then putting in the subject matter of the email, their employment. So for example, if they're a teacher, teacher, their 
or whatever division of the state they work for wants to be a plaintiff, because then we can sort them very easily. And in the body of the email, they can't include any information about their school district if they want, because that helps us get an idea. So it's D Weefer, W-E-F-E-R, at WeeferLaw.com. WeeferLawOffices.com. Oh, I'm sorry. WeeferLawOffices. All right. I'm, I'm going to, because I'm going to share this and let people know subject line is teacher or whatever state job they have, guidance counselor, et cetera, um, wants to be a plaintiff. That's it, yep. right? I love it. Okay, great. I'm going to share. So, I'll spread the word on that. Just and, so you know, because every time you spread the word on something, it's created a tsunami <laughs> for me. So if you if you could also just let people know that we are doing the best we can to get I everyone will. in and organize everyone. I, I will disclaimer it by saying she's only one woman. She does have a team, but it's it's not easy. <laughs> Uh, how many lawyers are you teamed up with now in terms of uh, just working with some of the cases? I know uh, every time I plug your site, you get people that sign up and, and they've got everything from the forced vax to the masking discrimination, et cetera. Um, how is that going? And have you added some team members? No. Um, so it's sort of interesting because there was time like we came together and now I feel like we're all working on a project. So I'm like working on this TCNJ student. I know John Coyle is working on a project. And so we can touch base. And it's it's sort of funny because we haven't known each other very long, but the relationships that develop are such that you can just pick up the phone and start grilling them on like some obscure legal case yeah. that you want you want to um, bounce off them. So it's we're just surrounded by good people. Have you noticed that? I, my wife and I were just saying that we, uh, you know, we drove across the country. And so, so, cause I won't wear a mask. So my, uh, my wife and son flew out to San Diego. I drove the RV from Princeton to San Diego, 52 hours staying door to door. Oh, wow. I did it. I stopped in Knoxville, slept two hours. Then I stopped in Midland, Texas, slept two hours, made it from Thursday afternoon to Saturday afternoon. Anyway, long story short, we then stopped to see friends in different States along the way. And several, I had never met in person. I met, through this podcast, I met through the political work that I do, whatever it is, and fast friends within the last six months to a year because we are now finding like-minded, critical thinkers, people who value the Constitution, understand civil liberty, understand individual liberty, the First Amendment, etc., and and it has brought us together. Uh, people that I, I don't know, you almost feel like you'd never, you would never even have had a conversation except the world completely shut down and is coming apart at the seams. But I do think there's some momentum. I do think there's some momentum with the resistance and the opposition. Uh, the, the scared people have gone full on crazy. I'll be, I'll, I'll be speaking with um, a doctor uh, tomorrow to record for a future podcast about, just about um, ivermectin and how it went from this praised medicine that all the big pharma and big medicine hospitals say, this is great, to it's a horse pill. Why are you taking it? I mean, they, they literally went 180 degrees. Uh, and John Coyle, as you said, we, you know, we, he had him on the radio. God forbid the patient who died, that 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 mom who passed away in the hospital after the primary care physician uh, prescribed ivermectin, and the hospital wouldn't let him take it. And, and then within that time frame, you've now had an onslaught of hate through social media against this very effective medicine, according to literally thousands of doctors. It, it, it's fascinating to me where we are. But I, I, think I, I think so, too. I think that uh, the the booster shots is waking people up as well. 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to just bypass the FDA now. We, you're not, we're, you're not undoing science fast enough for us. We're going to, we're going to do it even more. Yeah. You're going to have people taking seven shots in a year, and and it's it's yeah. there's no end in sight, and no one can tell you how much the government is paying for each of those shots too to make it free for us who are paying taxes. Yeah, nothing's free. I, I have spent a right? lot of time doing factual research on this issue uh, and preparing for the lawsuits, and you can't find anything on the government contracts or how much money. Like, you know, the other thing you can't find any information about um, from the government is the the mortality rate. Right. Everything they give you is like, oh, compared to something else. They don't give you any real answer. Well, and anyone that's worked in big pharma will tell you, I've got many friends who have spent many, many years working for big pharma companies, uh, hospital administrators. There is an accepted number of deaths with every new drug that they put out there. The fact that they're acting like that's not reality. And it seems that the accepted number here is is way higher as a percentage than than other drugs. And I don't, it, it's amazing. You hear them uh, when it comes to things like the Second Amendment. Well, I'll take away your rights if I can save one kid. Yeah. Comes to the vaccine, it's like, oh, you know, 10,000, 20,000, whatever the number actually is. Ah, doesn't matter. And the amazing thing is when it comes to vaccine, they'll tell you that that it was never the vaccine. They had a complication. They had something else. But when they test positive for COVID, it's never the fact that they were obese, had a vitamin D deficiency, were sickly with three comorbidities. Nope, it was COVID. Fascinating. Yeah, this is this is part of the thing is, is I feel like reality is so inverted. The more, uh, we can't argue with them about reality. We just have to get yeah. right to the core principles, which is, no, I have liberty. I think the government's not allowed to force me to inject things into my body. Straight. Right. I don't care what they think about, like, whatever, because it's insane. How can you talk to people who are so... Well, you know, Dana, it's why they lied about um, about uh, asymptomatic, aka healthy, people spreading. They lied about that in order to get people convinced that humans were nothing more than disease carriers. So therefore, humans are to be avoided. Human contact is to be avoided unless you are unless you take the prescribed groupthink uh, narrative and buy into all that. So uh, the, I said this the other day. The, the vaccine, I could see an argument. You could make an argument for or against that the way they've done in the past with the flu shot, et cetera. You could argue how effective it is. You could argue, does it mitigate your symptoms? You could argue, well, if it mitigates symptoms, then maybe you're less of a spreader because you're not as sick as you would. You could make the arguments. The mask, there's literally no argument for it. There is no argument at all anywhere that anyone can show <laughs> that wearing a cloth mask or a surgical mask prevents someone from either A, spreading a virus or B, catching it. So I, I, for the life of me, I know it's about the optics and control, but when you say that, they accuse you of being the tinfoil hat wearer, that you're just a conspiracy theorist crazy, just shut up and put your mask on. Uh, it, it is fascinating, and you can see it throughout history over the past hundred years, how other societies have totally devolved with government control, government experts, and it never, ever, ever has ended well. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. So thanks for hearing me out. I get so worked <laughs> up. I really do. But yeah, I, no, I you're an inspiration, Dana. Thank you. Well, you really are. I, I love you, what you're doing. I'm so glad that we've become friends through this. Um, let's, uh, Let's do this. I would love to, at some point, have you, maybe if you're up for it, at some point in the future, speak to one of our events for the nonprofit that I started. I mean, we're really trying to, uh, you know, we're shouting from the rooftops that a state like New Jersey 
can be saved if you can find common ground with people that were otherwise political foes and if you can implement common sense. Common sense? It's common sense that a mask on your face doesn't stop you from getting sick. It's common sense that we know vitamin D deficiencies and people who are overweight and sick already are vulnerable to whatever's flying around. Like common sense, sneeze into your elbow, stay home when you're sick. Common sense, where is that? Gone. So anyway, um, thank you for joining me. Okay, so just to recap here, uh, real quick, I just want to make sure I've got it right, that the the, uh, Cape May Zoo client, your disabled client, she never did wear the yellow lanyard. They no, told she her, didn't. She didn't. They yeah, told she her had she to had wear the That was the fight and the harassment. Okay. Yep. So she did resist. God bless her. And um, the injunction with TCNJ moving forward, you'll keep me posted. And then you've got a thousand teachers. I will promote this before this thousand teachers. drops on social media, et cetera. And, uh, and we're just going to keep going. Yes. Charge forward. Charge forward. Thank you, Dana. Great Thank to talk. Thank you, Bill. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.